Christmas parties can be so much fun if you have them at the right place. Where's your company Christmas party this year? Or your family Christmas party for that matter? It ought to be at the same place where folks have been having birthday parties, weddings, baby showers, even Thanksgiving dinner at the Banquet Room at the Sayre Golf Course. It's a really nice facility and it's reasonably priced. If you need a nice place for a nice event, use the Sayre Golf Course Banquet Room. Four. Now to the actual golf part of the Sayre Golf Course. There's still time to get 9 or 18 holes in. The question is, can you actually find the fairway? Swinging away and just hoping for the best leads to triple-digit scores. If you want to test your ability to make golf shots, come over to Sayre. The layout of this course requires precision. Do you have that club, that secret weapon in your bag? It's technically called the Sayre Golf Course. Locals just call it Sayre National. It's in the city park on the south side of town. Throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Count with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma, everybody. Wake up from the Thanksgiving weekend, the turkey, the dressing, all the great food. It was hard to kind of get moving today, uh, but we are moving. We're out here at the Sarah Golf Course, Sarah National, hanging out for the day. Um, it's a beautiful morning. It's supposed to be really nice for a bunch of the next, what, 10 days or so. Um, there's going to be golf days sprinkled in for sure. So come on over here to Sayre, hang out, uh, not only out on the golf course, but also inside uh, the, the sports bar. We've got the uh, a banquet room as well. So uh, just to come out and watch a Monday night football game or schedule your company's Christmas party, they're available right here at the Sayre Golf Course for any and all of that. And, of course, uh, a round of golf as well and some of these nice days that are coming up. All right, on the show today, Got a few things on on my mind. Jim Traber, of course, at 9.30 uh, will be showing up, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on all the, all the weekend's events across the sporting landscape. College football weekend, the Cowboys and the Sooners flame out on Saturday. Um, questions abound around both of those squads as uh, they move into the offseason, recruiting season, portal season. Uh, some interesting comments, I thought, from Mike Gundy uh, regarding that portal and, and kind of his philosophy and, and, and his procedures and that. Um, Oklahoma, it's amazing how a team can look so good for part of a game and so terrible for the for some of it as well. And it was from drive to drive. Uh, just a, an amazing um, thing to watch. And then, of course, off the top of the show, Big Elks uh, came up short against Cushing on Friday night in the state semifinals. Another really good year, though, for Elk City football. And, you know, sometimes you just run into to a team that uh, is just better than you, and, and that's what happened on Friday night. We'll rehash uh, that game up there at Putnam City as well. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things or whatever else might be on your mind. Feel free to chime right in at 225 225- Nine six nine eight. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. You can log on to kadsam.com or you can download the Paragon app. The app's got it all. Radio, Penny News, 
Big Elk and Paragon TV, which now we shift our focus to basketball uh, with the uh, with 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 all the, the small schools already started. Merritt will get kicked off this week. Elk City will get kicked off this week. Hollis will get kicked off this week on the basketball floor uh, as well. So lots of hoops coming up for the next few months on Big Elk and Paragon TV and, of course, the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you missed the show entirely, you can go back and check that out, kadsam.com or iTunes. Hello, Jared. How are you? How was your Thanksgiving break? It was nice. I'm, I'm still full. We ate a lot. We, I'm, you know, we had the meals on Thursday. We talked about that on Friday at Bet. And uh, um, went to a wedding on Saturday, and, man, the spread there on, at the reception was amazing. They 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 did a pig in the ground. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So there's pork and chicken, and they had, uh, I believe it was brisket. It was awesome. And uh, fun time over there in Oklahoma City. And um, just took it easy yesterday. Ate some leftovers, and, and uh, that's about it. Rested up and ready to go, ready to get back to it. How about you? How was your weekend? Yeah, I was – I avoided – not avoided, but just the way that the, all of the Thanksgivings came up. I only, I only attended one real, like, Thanksgiving meal. And it was good. I got my turkey smoked in the rain on Saturday morning. How'd that work out? It wasn't great. It, was, it wasn't a lot of fun <laughs> as far as uh, just – being able to have to have to be out in the rain a little bit, but uh, we got it done and it was uh, delicious, and all the other things were delicious. It's just Thanksgiving is my favorite, and all the you know a lot of times Christmas seemed like, especially as I've gotten older, it's gone away from traditional you know ham or turkey. It's mm-hmm. we'll do something different for for Christmas. So Thanksgiving it's still traditional meals and and the stuff that you get once a year a lot of times, and so. It was uh, it was fun. Uh, there's there's always a new twist on some of that stuff uh, that's interesting. Sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. Uh, but the tried and true, you know, dressing, turkey, gravy poured all over everything. Absolutely, it always works. Uh, let's shift our focus now to Friday. Um, I think everyone going into that game, uh, the Elks and Cushing, uh, were leery about the Elks' chances because of how dominant Cushing had been. Uh, you're talking about a team that had averaged 57 a game, a team that had not been held under 40 all year long, and that's still the case as they basically hit their their average of 56 and, and were not held below 40 as they defeat the Elks 56-14. to 14. Uh, Early early on, I thought there was a little bit of a glimmer of hope. Obviously, the three and out on the first possession uh, by the Elk City defense. Um but the, the thing that surprised me more than anything, it wasn't that Cushing ran up and down the field uh, because you had a feeling that might happen offensively. It was that Cushing was a way better, way better equipped defensively to stop what the Elks wanted to do than I ever, uh, than it looked like they could be on film. And, and even looking down there on the field on Friday night, the Elks looked like, I mean, and they were. They had the bigger guys that, you thought, okay, if they can just get a hold of them, you know, push them around a little bit, get Levy going, get that run game going, and um, and control the clock and control the ball. And that just simply wasn't the case. Cushing was fantastic defensively throughout the night, not allowing the Elks to do what they wanted to do. And they just weren't able to kind of to change things on the fly. And on the other side, Cushing's offense was a, whale, a well-oiled machine. 
and uh, it just it turned out to be all Cushing uh, in that 56-14 win. What were your kind of thoughts uh, coming out of that game? Yeah, I mean, you got to get a lot of credit to Cushing for what they've done um, or what they did and what they've done all season. They, and they were at a, as advertised, you know, you said uh, most of what I've took away as well. And I think and I took away was um, – I thought that we would have a little bit more success with the ground and pound game because of this of the size differential between Elk City's offensive line and their defensive line. But man, they did stuff schematically so well, occupied space, allowed their linebackers to go to work, and and him up Levy and the other guys too. And um, it was impressive. It's it took me by surprise that about how I guess disciplined is the word we can use there defensively they were uh to you know play their assignments fill those holes like I said and um they were just they were coming out they were, they established a tone early with the way they tackled Cushing that is and um I think that was a, another big part of it but you know give credit to the Elks though I mean they they with that uh, one touchdown drive they have or long run that they had early in the game eight, eight to seven we thought we might have ourselves a ball game, but Cushing's so dynamic on offense. You blink, and all of a sudden, it's 21-8. And what was the end of the first quarter? 28-8, 21-8? I mean, it was in a flash. And they just kept coming and kept coming, and they just overwhelm you with your offense and maybe make you want to do some things on your offense as an opponent that you don't want to do. And um, that forced a couple turnovers, I think. But – Overall, that, that despite what happened on Friday night, and I said this on Friday night, and I'll say it again, that shouldn't overshadow what an awesome season this was. Eleven and two, and uh, top four, arguably top two in the state, and I think the future. We said it last year, and I mean it. And look what happened this year, and I'll say it again. I think the future is incredibly bright for the Big Oak football program. Yeah, it, <clears throat> I, I think it's it's interesting because when you come out of a game like that, we talked about it on the way home, you felt more deflated a year ago when in the semifinal loss to Clinton where it, where it, you had chances to, to actually win that game. On that night that over at Southwestern, you came away kind of – you were disappointed. Like, man, we, we, we actually could have won that game. And I think it, it actually – felt even more like that after Clinton goes and dominates Tuttle. Oh, for so, sure. You know, think, good night. We were that close. That's right. With the way they had success, yeah, that's <laughs> – it, it made it even worse a week later. Yeah. But leaving that stadium on, on Friday night, it was just more of, hey, it's clear who's going to win. It just matters when you play them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. – if you're on the other side, maybe maybe you get a get to the finals and, and end up with the silver ball. But with what we saw Friday night, everyone's season was going to come to an end the same way, and that is either lose to somebody else or make it far enough to get to play them, and right. then lose. Right. Uh, that's just that's just the way with the the way that they've been all season long, and you could see, you know, with, with what they had coming back. I mean, kudos to those guys. I mean, it was just that was. We were actually having a conversation during the OU game um, with some guys that I was with. Like, you know, how good is that team 
over the last day. De- I mean, is, is it the best 4A team in a decade, in two decades? I mean, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. it's it's one of those teams that's pretty historically good. Well, it's one of those conversations they also had with that 2019 LSU team at the college level. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that, somebody had texted me uh, <clears throat> on Saturday and say, man, that was one of the best high school teams I've ever seen. And, and, I was, and we, we stated it's like lightning in a bottle, perfect situation uh, with all those returning starters that they had from last year's team. And, and, um, I think they've had this year particularly circled on their calendar for forever ago. And everything, every phase of the game was really good for Cushing. Offensive, defensive, special teams, everything. And, you know, it it can go down as, yeah, they're going to look at that. And then it could really be, you know, let's look at it. How do they bounce back from losing all those seniors next year? If they're one and done in the playoffs after finishing third in their district, or you know, people go back. Yeah, see, that's how good that team was. They're oh, yeah. so historically good, or they are. And I don't honestly, I'll go on record. I don't give Wagner much of a chance. Do you? Not with what <laughs> we saw. I mean, I don't know how you. <clears throat> I don't know how you can. And, Maybe and because we've they've already played. They've already been a forty-two to nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and it's hard to imagine a turnaround in the middle of a season like that. Um, it's just they're they're fantastic. Uh, looking ahead though for the Elks, some you know two straight semifinal appearances. I think it, I, I think if you go back to August and you you ask people around and even us probably, especially if you see a few games, um, and you said okay here you go you can either take losing like that in the semifinals or pressure luck. I think a lot of people would have would have been surprised to see that team end up where it was. So that's it's a testament to the coaching staff, uh, Coach Maynard's first year, how he was able to rally those guys. Some guys that uh, played a little bit smaller roles a year ago were able to step up and, and be more assertive and really kind of help propel the team uh, the, the way that they did. Because you know when we look into the preseason, looking ahead this year, thinking, man, nobody's ever touched the football. We got there's big guys up front, yeah, but there's nobody that's ever touched it outside of Cooper Garbarino, and he didn't touch it much the year before. And so for those guys to to fit into their roles, I thought it was a, a fantastic season. And I mentioned this, and then people took it the wrong way. But my, my, my point about it, it's always a good season if you beat Clinton and Weatherford. First off, because you beat Clinton and Weatherford, but second off, because Clinton and Weatherford are always good. Are almost almost always good, and so if you are able to beat both of those teams in one season, go undefeated in a district, and then make the semifinals, that you know that's that's a if that's your baseline, which it has been the last two years, to build off of, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good baseline. Typically, if you're beating one of those two, you're you're or it's an indicator of how far you're probably going to go in the postseason. That's right. If you're beating both of those two, mm-hmm. well, we saw what just happened. And that's a compliment to Clinton and Weatherford, it, you know, because you have to go through those teams to have success later down the road. I 100% agree. Uh, so looking forward to next year, it's it's a lot the same as it was. Uh, you're talking about with, with Tate Shelton coming back off of his injury that occurred, I think it was in the Clinton game, um, in, in week five with his ankle. He'll be back. So that's basically with, with, with what Carson Price was able to do, plugging him in at the left tackle spot, you got four guys back on the offensive line, essentially four starters back. Uh, defensively, uh, you lose you lose a bunch. Uh, you know, Sammy Leal has been in a rock on that defense at the uh, linebacker spot. Trace and Gage up front have been those guys that we've called their names for a while now. 
So you've got to find that. And then, uh, to me, the, the, the toughest replacement, a lot of people immediately say Levy Owens. I don't think that's the truth. I think Cooper Patton is the guy that's going to be harder to replace because he did it so well on both sides of the ball, not only on the offense but also defense. They had eight picks throughout the season uh, and, and became kind of a physical guy back there in the back end, even though he wasn't the biggest guy. I think that's you know the secondary, uh, Garbarino back, everyone else, it's going to be a chore to replace. And so that's the, you can see kind of some, some holes in what comes back, but there's still, uh, with that offensive line, Jaden Wynn showed that uh, he's, he's a capable replacement on some levels for Levy, maybe not the, the power, uh, obviously, that, that Levy has. But, you know, give him another year in the weight room, who knows. But I don't think you're going to see Oak City just fall off a cliff. Now, will it be three straight semifinals? That remains to be seen. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, when you look at what happened and what's coming back, it, it'd be hard-pressed for Clinton probably not to be the, the favorite going in to, in 4A1 next year, Weatherford Elk City kind of right there behind, and then we'll see what everybody else can do uh, to, to try to start building toward those three. But uh, I don't think you see Elk City fall off of a cliff because I, I think there's a culture and a, and a program that's been established, and that w- with the weight room is a big part of that. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit. Yeah, just to add to that, I I said that last week and just kind of pondering what the future would look like. The sustainability, I think, is there to to continue to have success because I think that culture has been reestablished. Big thanks to Coach Meadows, Maynard coming in and continuing it and setting his standard and setting his culture. I think everybody is bought in from what I've seen. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, step aside when we come back. Talk a little bit about the state schools. Man, uh, just absolute rotten eggs laid by Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to finish up the regular season. We'll talk about what's uh, who was the most disappointing and then who underachieved more. I think uh, it's different questions that might even have different answers. Coming back from Sarah Golf Course, Skinny on Sports live on site, 98.1 FM, the Sports End. You know the only thing better than watching the game? It's watching the game with your friends. It's game night, so you head to your favorite spot. The game's on all the huge TVs. Several people you know are already there, and they've come for the same reason. It's game night, and the game's on all the huge TVs in the room. A lot of the men are there with their wives. Everyone's having a great time, eating, drinking, laughing, and, of course, yelling at the refs. The bartender's great, too. She seems to know what the regulars want before they even order. Maybe we shouldn't tell anybody about this little jewel in Sayre so it doesn't get too crowded. It'll be our little secret. Ah, why not? Let's risk it. It's the sports bar at what's technically known as the Sayre Golf Course. The locals call it Sayre National. It's in the park on the south side of town, so don't watch the game at home alone tonight. Go where there's food, drinks, and huge TVs. The game's a lot more fun if you'll watch it with friends. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back, hanging out at Sayre National here on a Monday morning. Sun's shining, the wind is light. As soon as that heat kind of picks up, it's going to be a gorgeous day. Mm-hmm. Come on out, get you nine, or get you 18, one of the two uh, over here at Sayre Golf Course. Come inside afterwards, have you in big, beautiful TVs, have a cocktail, talk about the round, split up the bets. <laughs> and then uh, if, if that's not your thing, uh, but Christmas parties are, they got a nice banquet room in the back waiting for you guys to, uh, to book your Christmas party right here at the Sayre Golf Course. Sayre National, looking good. 
Looking good out there. Yep. Uh, here for a, a late November day. Uh, real quick, before we get Jim on, uh, give us give me your thoughts about what you saw from Oklahoma and Oklahoma State this well, week. Well, I, I um, did my best Saturday running around everywhere from wedding to reception, but I listened to most of the fourth quarter of the well, – most of the second half, I should say, of the Oklahoma State game. First off, fill me in. Span, uh, Sanders was hurt? I don't know. It's a great question. Disciplined? Do we ever get a straight answer? I don't think so. I'll have to ask Jim that one. But clearly, again – I know how he played against Bedlam, but but uh, uh, he's he's a difference maker, and um, if he was in, they win. I'll simply put, but um, I, I guess defensively, little little uh, disappointed um, when they needed a stop and they couldn't get it there in the fourth quarter against West Virginia. And um, man, what what a turn of events! I mean, think about. I saw this tweet. They were up how much against TCU? Twenty-four to seven. Twenty-four to seven, and that seemed to be the turning point of the season. And so Mike uh, Gundy's going to have to go back to the drawing board. Maybe stop being stubborn with the portal. I know you have something to say about that. And um, but it was it was it's just disappointing. And speaking of disappointing, OU, you get up that big that quick, and it looked like everything was rolling for him. And um, and then it just turns on them. And, uh, you know, I was able to watch the final tech drive in regulation. And you just knew that OU was going to give that up, right, when they got in field goal range. Um, just disappointing. But it just kind of sums up the entire season for both both teams. Disappointing. And where do you go from here? Um, you want that bowl game. Sure, you're going to get them for both teams and get more practice in. Question is who's going to participate in practices and who's not, and um, you, I guess now we can start talking about next season. What do the coaches have to do to um, to be better overall? Just be better and be contenders in the Big Twelve. But disappointing is what I take away from it. How about you? Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing what a difference a guy makes in Norman. Because last year, Oklahoma's 6-1 and one in one-score games. And a big part of that was Caleb Williams just pulling the Sooners out of the fire. And in this year, uh, uh, Dylan Gabriel, I think he's been, I would almost say, better than people thought he was going to be in a lot of ways. Except when it really matters. When you really meet a throw. It just seems like it doesn't happen. You know, and, and Oklahoma's in almost inventing ways to lose these games at, here at the end of the year um, with, with three straight field goal losses, starting with Baylor, then to uh, West Virginia, and now uh, this game against, uh, against Texas Tech. On the OSU side, man, it just looked like – I know the weather was crappy and it was raining. A lot of disinterest, but, it, but once again, you know, Mike Gundy's taken a lot of flack over the years for, for picking the wrong quarterback – is anybody not convinced he picked the wrong running back after what we saw from Ollie Gordon finally with some consistency in his carries? I mean, if I'm that guy, you want to talk about somebody that they need to be talking to immediately about staying because after showing what he could do, he's got to be looking around going, why didn't, why, why, why was I not in there the entire time when I knew I could do this? So it was, yeah. uh, you know, that's something that, that, Mike Gundy talked about that he doesn't even he doesn't even have conversations with these guys about the portal. He lets them go talk to their families and their representatives. I'm like, how are you not involved with this? 
How are you not there? He needs to be the first guy there. Yeah, I, it just it, it seems like he's a little bit stubborn when it when it comes to the to to this portal thing, and and we've seen him be stubborn at, at other things, and it, it's kind of hurt. I'm just afraid that's really going to hurt. Let's uh, let's see what Jim has to say. So we'll we'll uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll have the ultimate Jim Traber, which I know he's got things to say, and I want to ask him those two questions that we didn't get to, but we'll get to tomorrow. Who had the most disappointing? Who had the more disappointing season? Also, who underachieved? Skinny on Sports coming back from Sayre Golf Course next with Jim Traver right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Christmas parties can be so much fun if you have them at the right place. Where's your company Christmas party this year? Or your family Christmas party for that matter? It ought to be at the same place where folks have been having birthday parties, weddings, baby showers, even Thanksgiving dinner at the Banquet Room at the Sayre Golf Course. It's a really nice facility, and it's reasonably priced. If you need a nice place for a nice event, use the Sayre Golf Course Banquet Room. Four. Now to the actual golf part of the Sayre Golf Course. There's still time to get 9 or 18 holes in. The question is, can you actually find the fairway? Swinging away and just hoping for the best leads to triple-digit scores. If you want to test your ability to make golf shots, come over to Sayre. The layout of this course requires precision. Do you have that club, that secret weapon in your bag? It's technically called the Sayre Golf Course. Locals just call it Sayre National. It's in the city park on the south side of town. The Skinny on Sports. All right, welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Please be joined by the voice that you'll hear right here on these airwaves at 2 o'clock. It is the ultimate Jim Traber. Jim, how are you today? What's happening, fellas? Great season for the Elks, huh? Yeah, it was. It was a great season. Disappointing ending uh, with the way that that game went Friday night against Cushing, but uh, it's also one of those where you just tip your cap to a, to a better team and try to figure out a way to, to, to lift more weights, get stronger and faster, and come back next year. Uh, with the position in the, in the same position that you were this year. Well, they had a great year. So far, that they've gone a long time. So yep. uh, they got a lot of people coming back. Oh, some uh, you lose some, and a little bit like last year. Uh, last year, senior class was the skill guys, and so they had to replace basically everybody skill wise this year. Uh, four offensive linemen will come back. One kid got hurt halfway through the year that was starter. So you know, another one got some experience up there. Uh, so basically, four starters coming back on the offense. Had to replace quarterback. Had to replace fullback. Uh, but there's some guys that got some time uh, throughout the year uh, that might be able to step. It just their, their roles will be in re, re, uh, uh, their roles will be increased uh, and see if they can handle that load uh, when we get back next year. Cushing, pretty good, huh? Cushing, Cushing, oof, Cushing is good. Historically I, good. Yeah, it's one of we were trying to. I hung out with the, a bunch of the, coach, the Elk City coach Saturday to watch the OU game, and everyone was trying to figure out, okay, when's the last 4A champ that you think could beat that team? And it was going back years and years trying to figure out, okay. Who, there were some years where Clinton was great. Yeah, right? that's that's kind of what. Maybe uh, that 2000. 2012 Clinton maybe. or uh, one of the end, I'd go 2000. 2000. One of the end of Darko's. Yeah. Uh, in that run, With the um, Sheldon Wilson that's running right. back. Yeah, there's there's some, but man, after what we saw, recency bias tells me that Cushing could, I know. could stay with those teams. Yeah, Who, were, who's Cushing playing the finals? Uh, Wagner, which Wagner's had some teams uh, that obviously Malcolm Rodriguez uh, up there. Uh, I'm sure he'd have something to say about that as well. But uh, he has like a little brother of the team, I think. Yeah, his little brother, kind of running back slash Wildcat quarterback type guy. Um, that I know made a long run. We were listening to that uh, going up to the game on Friday, listening to that game on the 
radio, um, and he, I don't know, 65 or 70-yard touchdown there to pretty well sure. ice that game uh, for, for Wagner. So uh, I would anticipate uh, the Cushing hadn't won, uh, what was it, until, since 1961 they haven't won the state, state championship. Uh, it's kind of weird. So 1961, 61 years ago <laughs> to be here, it almost seems like it's their time, but. That's a great year. 61's a great year. It's the year I was born. Great year. <laughs> uh, so that's great. It's been a while, yeah. That's the great. The not so great was what happened in Stillwater and then out at Lubbock. Uh, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma flame out in the final game of the regular season. Um, I, my question is this. Who had the more disappointing regular season? Was it Oklahoma State or Oklahoma? Well, first of all, if you're one of those fans of OU or OSU uh, that does not like anything negative about your squad, then you better not listen at 2 o'clock today. Because <laughs> um, I'm telling you, I am uh, going to give some uh, full-season reviews of uh, what I think is going on and what I think is unfortunately getting ready to go on. Um, yeah, I mean, I think OU – it has to be OU because – you know, I mean, OU is OU. I mean, they, that, that's what they are. I, I thought they were going to be good this year. There are these people nowadays. I mean, it's, I just love it when people suddenly change the narrative. I mean, there's people, well, I thought this was going to be a rebuilding, you blah, blah, blah. Really? Did you say that in August? I guarantee you didn't say it in August. If you call in August and tell me, I think this is going to be a rebuilding year. I don't know how good they're going to be. I would have said to you, I think you're crazy. And then guess what? I bowed down. But don't tell me in November that it's a rebuilding year. That's just ridiculous. Um, this was a horrific year for the Sooners. Um, and there's no other way to put it. And they've got big problems, okay? And we can talk about them if you'd like in a little yeah. while. As far as Oklahoma State is concerned, big disappointment. But I do think that, you know, when you're so reliant on a quarterback like many teams are nowadays, when the dude can't play up to the, you know, the, the healthy standards that you like, it's obviously going to hurt you. They've had a lot of other injuries, too. They shouldn't have been 7-5, and five, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, but I think the bigger disappointment's OU. I mean, I, I just, they're, theirs is bad. I mean, OU is bad. OSU's not very good either, but OU is bad. And defensively, they're terrible. Coaching-wise, they're, I mean, just I mean, they don't even know what they're doing. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's the truth. Yeah, we were about to discuss that. To me, it's OSU's more disappointing just because they actually had a chance to be good, whereas Oklahoma, I don't think any doubt, underachieved because of the guys that they supposedly have. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, it does, but they still, dude, they're still four- and five-star dudes that OU's getting. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean I, whose fault is that? Yeah, they clearly under underachieved way more. But Oklahoma, I mean, think to me, OSU, they got out there. They're up 24-7, what, in the third quarter against TCU as an undefeated team, and they, they go from that to ending up 7-5. and five. I just think that there was they, – they were good further into the season, I guess, is why I would – think that they might be a little bit more disappointed. And because, let's be honest, the injury bug is a big part of why they didn't get to the level that they really should have, or even that they were headed to. I mean, I, I understand your point, and I think it's a good argument. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think both of them are horrible, to tell you the truth. Um, both of them had very, very disappointing years. This was a terrible a terrible year for the state of Oklahoma in football. It just was. I mean, Tulsa's not any good, and obviously OU and OSU aren't any good. 
I guess, you know, they're going to go to bowl games, but, you know, they're going to be disgusting bowl games that not many people are going to care about. But, um, yeah, it was just, gosh, this weekend was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, thank God for a big Elks for winning a lot of games this year. <laughs> so, for, for so where are they headed? So, where are they headed? I mean, you see the, the comments that both of those coaches have made about the portal. Mike Gundy, even after the game on Saturday, when asked, you know, who who he's going to talk to, he acted like he doesn't even talk to his own guys about the portal. They just tell him what they're going to do. Um, Venables has already come out basically against it and, and all this. So it, it feels like you got a couple of really stubborn guys that aren't taking advantage of what's out there and what college football yeah. is becoming. Well, according to Alan Dean, Venables and them are just kind of lying to us. Um, they're, they're actually, they already got a defensive yeah. tackle, I guess, for, where Notre Dame. Yeah. So um, they're going to, they have to, they know that they have to go. I don't like Let me tell you something, fellas. He's in a position right now with no Boone Pickens and no Mike Holder where he does what he does whatever he wants to. I could not believe what he said after the game. I couldn't believe it. He sounded like a dictator when he goes, "Well, you know, the fans told me to. Uh, you know, they said they wanted me to go for it, so I went for it." He basically blaming the fans. You guys remember the movie Gladiator, where the dude would stand there with his thumb up or thumb down, and the crowd would say, "Kill him or not kill him." Did you guys see that movie? Oh, yeah. Gladiator? Because if you haven't seen the movie, something's wrong with both of you. It's a great movie. Okay. Um, that's, that's Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy is literally blaming the crowd. First of all, they booed him, right? They booed him when he didn't go for it early, which I'm, I'm glad they did because I think the fans are getting sick and tired of the things that he does in that bedlam game. And then he didn't go for it another time. Then he does go for it and doesn't make it. And uh, he, after the game, he has the goal to say, well, uh, the fans were telling me to. Uh, you know, they're telling me to. I, I got to tell you, fellas, um, Mike Gundy is one of the cockiest coaches I've ever seen. And here's the other thing, too. Uh, everybody's scared of him. Everybody's scared to death of him. No one will ask him real questions. Um, he, he just sits up there on his perch, making $7 million a year in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And does what he wants. Oh, you're seven and five. Okay, yeah, seven and five. Uh, we had injury. It was us, you know. And, um, he, he, I'll tell you. And the recruiting is horrible. I mean, terrible. And uh, he says he's not going to go to the portal. I hope he's wrong. You know, guys, let's not forget one of the kids they got in the portal the last couple of years was Jamin Warren, who was a great pickup. Wouldn't you think? Do everybody think he's a good pickup? Um, so. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know what's happening up there at OSU. Um, I, they're lucky that OU and Texas are leaving. I mean, even though they beat OU, I mean, Texas a lot. But they're lucky that both of them are leaving because Texas looks like they're getting on track. And uh, even when OU is the worst that they've been in a while, they still can't beat OU. So I think OSU, I, I think that, again, Mike Gundy's the best coach in the history of the school. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But I think, it, I think OSU's in a little trouble. I do. This is going to be interesting for him to see what he does in this offseason. They better get to the portal. They better bring in at least two and maybe four offensive linemen in the portal. They need big help at the offensive line. And um, we'll see about the the uh, uh, the uh, portal as far as who's going to lead. I mean, I, I, guys, I mean, I'm just going to give it up to myself. I've been talking since October about Ollie Gort. Right. What'd you think of him yes, on Saturday? You think he's pretty good, guys? Yeah. I mean, that's. I told Jared earlier. 
Uh, he is a perfect example of a guy, the very first guy he, that Mike Gundy needs to be talking to about not going into the portal is that guy and say, listen, yeah, we made a mistake. Uh, you should have been in there all, all year, but guess what? You're the guy moving forward. Don't worry about it. Come, come fall. Well, you're you're our guy. Play, Skinny? I don't Skinny, get it. Why didn't he play? That's the pro- you're right. You're a billion percent right. They're going to be lucky if they keep him. Colin Oliver, too. I mean, you know, I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, every time I see him on the field, for the most part, he makes plays. He's never on the field. They don't play the guy. I don't know why. But if they lose some kids like that, dude, they're going to be in trouble. So, yeah, you're right. He has to really re-recruit a couple of these kids. But why didn't he play? That's what I want to know. What's going on? He's by far, and listen, Dominic Richards is a nice player. I mean, I'm not going to say he isn't. A lot of those guys can play. This kid's so much, he, he's the best player there is. You know, it's, I mean, did somebody ask Mike Gundy after the game, hey, Mike, why didn't Ollie Gordon play this year? Wouldn't you think that would be a good question? Yeah. Not the media around here, though. No. Barry Trammell's the only one that will ask a tough question to these guys. Um, but I, I want to know why it is. Why wouldn't somebody say, hey, why hasn't Ollie Gordon it, 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 these dudes are so excited that they get a press pass and they write on one of their stupid websites. Uh, we don't get any journalism at all. I think that's a really good question, don't you guys? Why hasn't Ollie Gordon played this year? Ridiculous. I, I don't know. OSU's in some trouble if they don't figure some things out. I truly believe that. Skinny, you got some pool. You think you get some press passes for yourself? You'd ask that question. <laughs> I mean, I just you'd ask it's, it. It's an obvious one right now because it, it's not like Oklahoma State and, and Richardson or, or Nixon or any of those guys were just running it up and down the field. What was their biggest problem all year long on offense? They couldn't run the football with the tailbacks, and thus it got their quarterback hurt who couldn't finish the season. And you know what, Skinny? Some will say, well, the reason why is because West Virginia's not any good against the run. Nobody in this league is any good against the run except maybe Iowa State. Right. OU's terrible against the run. All these teams are bad against the run. So don't blame it on West Virginia being so bad. Yeah, they are bad. So are these other teams in this league. But they couldn't run it against them. Somehow, though, they, they, uh, they ran it with Ollie Gordon. So I don't know, man. That, we'll see what happens in this bowl game. Heck, we'll see if he's even around for the bowl game. I mean, this kid's a good player, man. Really good player. And and you, you don't play him all year long. It's just beyond belief to me. I was driving around in the rain on Saturday and listening to the game uh, Saturday afternoon, and I kept trying to, to figure out. And then I started going to Twitter and, and searching um, Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders. Why didn't he play? Did we ever get a clear answer? Who knows, man? This, this has been the craziest thing all year. I will say this. I have a pretty good sources that I think I said this Saturday to Al. I think there's been some brawling going on. I really do. Between coaches and doctors and trainers and Spencer Sanders and maybe even Spencer Sanders' fam. I think that there's been a lot of brawling going on this year. And I don't know why he didn't play uh, on Saturday. But guess what? I don't know why he's played or hadn't played all year long. I got no idea. This is what happens when you hide things from everybody. You know, when you when you're in silence, then what happens? This guy says, well, maybe it's this. And this guy says, maybe it's this. And another guy says, maybe it's this. Next thing you know, nobody knows, but you got all these rumors flying around. Now they're saying he might go in the portal and all this other stuff. Yeah, I saw somebody, somebody sent me on Instagram his Twitter page. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I don't even know what it meant. Said, he, he said something like, you're going to run it back? And then there's like 
question marks and heck, I don't know what it was. I, I have no idea what's happening. But I do know one thing. I'd be love to find out why he didn't play. But we won't hear. No one's going to say a word. What's your gut feeling tell you about him next year? Going to the NFL draft, transfer portal, or strapping on the helmet for Mike Gundy in, in OSU? If I was him, I would get incredibly healthy and go and go to the NFL draft because you've got quarterbacks in the league. I mean, look at like like this Mike White kid. Obviously, makes some good plays. He can play. You got uh, uh, what's his name, the kid from Texas, who Ellinger, who is uh, close to playing. You got uh, Miami Dolphins is backing up. So I think he can make a roster. So if I was him, I'd probably go. Unless you just love playing college football. And if you love college play, playing college football, then I think there is a chance that he might get the portal. So I don't know, man. I, you know, listen, I think the ranked Yale kid has a chance to be pretty good. But the way they've handled this whole thing this year has just been ridiculous, man. And uh, my God, he just kind of goes about his business. When he, you know, he has 11 recruits, I don't know if that's changed or not. But, uh, you know, Signing day is only about three weeks away. We'll see. We'll see what they do. year ago today, Lincoln Riley announced he was heading to USC. What a difference a year makes for both of those programs. Oklahoma ends up 6-6. Six and six. Lincoln Riley, one win away from probably being in the college football playoff. Caleb Williams with what happened in again with C.J. Stroud. Uh, it probably has to be the Heisman favorite right now with a week left. It, just a crazy turn of events uh, with, with what happened after the Bedlam game last year to right now as we sit here a year ago or, or a year from now, from then. I mean, yeah, this has got to be one of the worst years of uh, OU football's history. I mean, it really does. I mean, with, you, with what you just said, because, you know, after the Sooners look terrible again and lose to a team that's not any good, they have to also watch uh, USC out there celebrating, Lincoln Riley jumping around and laughing and having a good time. Uh, it's horrible. I mean, I really do. I feel bad. I feel bad. I don't feel bad for the psycho OU fan, but I do feel bad for the really good, solid OU fan because they didn't get what they uh, thought they were getting this year. And then, of course, uh, you're right. Lincoln Riley figuring out ways to win. And, you know, one of the reasons why he's winning out there, obviously, because that league isn't any good. But it doesn't matter. You go from 4-8 and eight to 11-1, and one, it's, uh, it, it's not good. Not good at all, and then of course here you go from eleven and two to six and six. That's all. That's all you got to say, fellas. There it is. That's the difference right there. One one going one way, one going the other way. And um, I said that I think OSU's in some trouble. I think OU's in even more. You know, um, I love Brent Venables, man. I do. I mean, I and I hate having to go on the radio and say some of the things that I have to say, but they have to be said because my number one thing is credibility. I come on here and don't tell people what's happening, then I'm going to look bad for my job, and I can't do that. Um, this has been an absolute disastrous year for OU football, and the disaster has been uh, the head coach. I mean, that's basically the truth. I've never seen a coach be worse just for not having a feel for the game, fellas. He, just, he has no feel for the game. You know, I, I talked about this a little bit on Saturday after the game. Defense, you think about defensive coordinators, guys. Defensive coordinators don't care at all about any decision that's made in a game. All right? Not at all. What do they do? They coach their defense, and when the defense comes off the field, they go over and they sit on the bench with the team and they talk to them. 
right? Mm-hmm. That's what defensive coordinators do. Most, I'd say 95% of major decisions that need to be made with the clock and things like that are when you're on offense, right, guys? I mean, you don't do, you don't do very much on defense. I don't think that he's watched the game as and followed what head coaches have to do. I really don't. I mean, that sounds really harsh, but I don't. He has no feel for the game. You, you, you look at the, the fake field goal, okay? I love the play. Should have worked. But that's not the point. The point is you're up 14 nothing. You are dominating the game. The crowd is silent. Mm-hmm. Silent. You kick a field goal. You go up 17 nothing, And then you keep on rolling. But when you go for it in that situation and it doesn't work, the crowd is back. That's the momentum. That's the number one play in the whole game, if you ask me, guys. I think if they kick a field goal there, they might win that game 38-10. to 10. But they don't. Texas Tech says, oh, okay, we got a big play. All oh, our crowd's in this. Next thing you know, the game changed. So, I mean, and then just the when he goes for it, when he doesn't go for it. Um, you know, we, we talk about the OSU game. They're just really lucky. If, if they'd have been playing a better team against OSU, they'd have lost. Because of the, you know, the lack of, you know, running the clock and all these other things. So it, it has been a thorough disaster for OU football. That's what it's been. And I'm telling you, I'll say this again, and I know people are tired of it, but I think it's important to say. Brent Venables better figure some things out this offseason. I don't know what they are. I'm not getting paid $7 million, fellas. You know, if I was getting paid $7 million, I promise you I'd be figuring out what the heck's going on. But – they got the massive, massive problem. So if they need to, uh, you know, uh, make changes in the coaching staff, fine, do it. If they need to, uh, if he needs to hire a daggone coach that's in his ear the whole time to tell him what the heck to do as far as game management, great. I talked about you got Bill Snyder up there who's retired. He loves football. Fly up there and spend a weekend with him. Break down some film. Say, hey, what should I be doing here? Help me out on this. What should I do? Take notes on it. Go home. Study it. He has to figure it out, fellas, because I'm telling you, listen closely. He will lose his job after two years if they do next year what they did this year. And I know the president of this university loves Brett Venable. I know that. But Joe Castiglione is not a fool. Joe Castiglione is impressive. He hired him. If they rip off another 6-6 six and six next year, I will tell you that I think there's a legitimate chance that they will move on. And I know that's ridiculous after two years, but that's the way it is nowadays. So he better figure it out. If he doesn't figure it out, he's going to be in trouble for this job. And it's just bad, guys. It's bad. Really bad. It's amazing to me to watch that team play so well for a certain stretch of one of a game and play so awful for a certain stretch in the same game. It's it, it just so... It's amazing to sit there and watch it, and you yeah. know, but they lose concentration, skinny. Yeah, I mean, or, or confidence. Like the defense went from, hey, they after after playing 104 plays against OSU and only giving up 13, they come out and they play great in the first half of the first quarter, and then all of a sudden it was like the, the confidence just went away. Like where did it yeah. go? You know what I mean? I think they're fragile. Yeah, I think mentally, it's a very fragile. Totally, team. totally fragile. You know, if if they give up a big play. I think, I think, unfortunately, in their minds, they go, here we go, mm-hmm. instead of, ah, oh, that's just one play. I, I really believe that. I think they're very fragile. 
because they're tired of getting beat up on. Well, I will say this, though. I mean, I will give a positive. You know, you got some of these guys who have said that, you know, Willis has said, I'm definitely playing in the bowl game. Uh, who else said Mims. it? Uh, I know Mims, Mims is one of the guys, yeah. Yeah, so if that comes to fruition, that's a really good sign because that means that they like their staff and he hasn't lost the team. Right. Now, if they would lose 15 dudes at a portal and five of them say they're not going to play the bowl game, then you're looking at total disaster. So, it, listen, I think Ben Fennables is a great dude, guys. I really do. I love him. I I am not an OU fan, and if OSU fan gets mad at me, that's fine, but I would like to see Brett Fennables 16, especially because he's going in the SEC. Because you guys know me. I don't cheer for anybody. I, I, I want both schools to do well, but I'm going to tell the truth. And the truth is, OU was on the verge of being in, in some trouble, if you ask me. So he has got to figure it out. He has to learn anew, almost like, you know, um, coaching for dummies. You know, those old books? You know, yeah. I'm not calling him a dummy, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Right. He needs to learn. He's never he's, – I'm actually making an excuse for him. He's never, ever, ever had to worry about any of that stuff, guys. Look, watch a defensive coordinator sometimes. Watch him. They don't. They're not. They don't care about if there's a decision to be made. All they worry about is the next play stopping somebody. So he has never ever had to deal with the the coaching decisions. Never. And he needs help with it. That's all there is to it. I hope. I hope that he admits he needs help. Like I said, if he doesn't want to use Bob Stoops, go Bill Snyder, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Bill Snyder's Bill Snyder's probably watching film right now. Yeah. I mean, the dude loves football. Dabo, so call I mean, him up and say, "Can I come up there?" Right? Yeah, he's got. If it's not Stoops, because there's friction there from what happened, you have Dabo Swinney, you have Bill Snyder, yep. and whoever who knows how many other contacts he's made throughout the years. I mean, there's exactly. there's definitely resources uh, to be but, had you know, there. I always talk. I talk about Gary Ward. Gary Ward, you know, was one of the greatest coaches you'll ever see OSU baseball, and he would say to us. Everything I'm teaching you right now, I stole from somebody else. He would flat out tell us that. You know you know why? Because he went to people that he believed were smarter than him. Now, I don't know if there was anybody smarter than him. But he went to coaches like Charlie Lau, and people don't know what I'm talking about, but big-time hitting guys. And he would learn and think he would take this that he liked and this that he didn't like and this that he liked and this that he didn't like. And that's what he would teach us. Well, guess what? It's okay to go to people. You know, some of the greatest business people in the world put people around them that are really, really smart, maybe smarter than them. You don't put stupid people around you. So this is an opportunity for Brent now. After he, I mean, he, Forget about now. He's got to work his tail off to get recruiting and keep people for the portal and also get some of these youngsters practicing so that they can get ready. But after that's over, after their bowl game, when they have that lull, he needs seriously to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with himself about coaching football because fellas it's been bad there's no other way to put it do either one of you disagree i know both of you are ou fans do either one of you disagree with me no i don't know how you could um and it's 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 the same but a little bit different everyone remembers mike gundy when he first took over the job and then having to hire an offensive coordinator and That's yeah, right. he, he was over there drawing plays, and he missed the you know the penalty and what have you. But at the same time, his mind is always thinking about how to manage. Because uh, you're right, offensive guys—that's just in their DNA. 
defensive guys, the only the only thing they have to decide is, okay, we're down seven with two minutes to go. We have three timeouts. We have to call them. I mean, that's the only like game management and by the decision way, they, they make. Call yeah, them. and they're not the ones that have to. They may not even yeah, realize they're, they're supposed the to. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're not even the ones. I would love anybody out there to prove me wrong and tell me a defensive coordinator makes any decisions as far as game management. Never. They never make a decision. So I, I think that he's got to work on that. I mean, listen, I've been saying it until I'm red in the face. I'll, I'll shut up about it. But I wanted to succeed. But if he keeps going in this direction, guys, he's not going to succeed. That's the truth. And they're getting ready to go into a league that is going to kick their butt. I know the Big 12 has been good this year. Uh, but even the bad teams like A&M and Arkansas, they're not very good. But they're going to be tough. They're going to be really tough for the way OU's playing right now. Heck, they're losing to Texas Tech and West Virginia, I might add. Around the country, uh, man, Michigan was awesome there in the second half. Uh, against Ohio State now two two years in a row that they've been able to to uh, vanquish the Buckeyes. Do you think that the that three teams in the playoff are already set right now? No matter what happens on Saturday. Yes, Michigan, obviously. No, 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 no. Two, only two, only two. Michigan, Georgia, but not TCU. No, heck, no. If TCU loses, they're out. See, and that yeah, really that stinks because if you look at. The metrics that they ought to be using, TCU's played a harder schedule, and their strength of record is the best in the country. But that's yeah. that's where the perception uh, comes in. Yeah. And yeah. with USC, with Ohio State, and maybe even Alabama on their heels, I, I think you're right. I think TCU, uh, they shouldn't, but I'm afraid they might lose that argument if, yeah, they, Michi- if they don't beat Kansas Mich- State. Michigan's in, Georgia's in, no matter what. If LSU wins with three losses, that's going to be psychotic. I don't know what they're going to do. To not take the winner of the uh, of the SEC is crazy. So let's just say what we think is going to happen. What Georgia's given like 20 points. Georgia's going to beat LSU. All right, let's just say that. Uh-huh. So Georgia and Michigan. And Michigan's going to beat Purdue. Is it Purdue? It yes. is Purdue, right? Yes. So they're both going to win, okay? Because um, you know why? It's a big game. They're going to be fired up. There's no way that they won't be. They'll win. Now, USC wins, they're in. TCU wins, they're in. But if either one or both of those lose, then we have chaos. And I mean total chaos. I do think Ohio State would be next in line. And um, if both of them lose, you know, it's probably Alabama or Clemson. or You know what, maybe TCU, maybe. But I don't think you can lose a championship game in the Big 12 and not get in. I just don't know how that could happen. You guys agree or disagree? I, th- I totally agree. I think if Hendon Hooker wasn't hurt, I think yeah. Tennessee. I, I, Tennessee to me Good still point. they should be ranked ahead of Alabama. They beat them. They beat Alabama. But yeah. Good w- point. with that with that injury, I, I just I think if they both if USC and TCU lose, I'm afraid you're going to see Ohio State and Alabama sneak right in there and be they and did. Be the I tell you what though. Tennessee did beat up on a, a better Vanderbilt team, so at least they could say, hey, wait a minute right. now, we lost Hooker, but we scored 56 points against the team that just beat Florida. Right. Right, who'd they beat? Kentucky? Yeah, they so, Yeah, that's, they, that's they right. They do have a little bit of an argument, but I don't know, man. I, I'll tell you right now, I think everybody's playing for second place. I mean, maybe, maybe Michigan, maybe Michigan could beat Georgia. I think USC will obviously score a little bit on them, but I think Georgia will stick it down their throat, so. I don't know how anybody's going to beat Georgia, guys. 
Are you, you last question? Do you do you think this is better for college football to see over the last what two or three years? Last year it was Michigan and Cincinnati. This year it could be TCU and, and USC uh, because it, it it becomes stale with one of five. You know, OU, Bama, Clemson, right. Ohio State there for yeah. a little bit. Do you think this helps or hurts the sport? Oh, I think it's good. I also think that it shows how badly we need an eight team or a twelve team playoff. You know, because I, I do think that TCU, if they lose, they should be in a playoff. I mean, that's just simple. They went through a uh, – the, the Big 12's good this year. They went through a good gauntlet just because they lose to a really good Kansas State team. By the way, remember something. If they lose, they won't even go to the Sugar Bowl. I mean, think about that. You go 12-0, and beat everybody that you're supposed to play, and then you lose in, let's say, a close game to Kansas State in the championship game. And then you're not even going to go to the Sugar Bowl. Now they will. They will get a. Wait, they'll be one of them six, right? Yeah, be, surely. Because yeah, they should be one of those. So maybe they'll go like the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. But yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. That's why we need a playoff, fellas. We need a playoff, a bigger one. We need a bigger playoff. It's that simple. Absolutely. All right, Jim. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Have a good show. We'll be listening at two o'clock. All right, fellas, thanks. Hey, by the way, I'm coming up the stair tomorrow. I guess I haven't told you all anything, but I got to do that. I didn't know I was coming out there until, like, I wish somebody would tell me a little bit earlier. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be at stair at Rob's Ranch, so I'll uh, be out in your area tomorrow, fellas. All right. I'll get you an apartment Good or deal. something yeah. out here. <laughs> We're not here a lot. Hey, listen, I love it out there, but I am uh, I am a little bit uh, tired of driving all the way out. There. I know that. <laughs> a right. little bit a uh, little bit much for me, but that's okay. I'm fighting through, fighting through. <laughs> well, you just need to have Julie drive you out here. She, she could be like driving Mr. Traber instead first, of driving first of, all, I, first of all, I never let Julie drive. <laughs> okay? I'm the one who has to drive. So. Uh, that's good stuff. All no, right, man. no comment. My wife listens. No <laughs> <Yeah>. comment. <laughs> Just say you agree. You'll be fine. <laughs> be a man, Jared. Be a man. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, have a great day. We'll, we'll talk to you okay, next week. Okay, fellas. Thanks. See you, you guys. You bet. That's the ultimate Jim Traver joining us uh, as we're out here at Sayre National wrapping it up. Sayre Golf Course. Come on out this afternoon. It's going to be gorgeous. I can see it's like maybe pins being changed out there uh, on number three green uh, to get uh, the different pin positions. So, Come on out. It's going to be a nice day. Uh, and if you can't do that, football game's on tonight, Monday night football, bowl season coming up, and then, of course, the banquet room for your Christmas party uh, if you want to do that as well. Thanks to everybody here at the Sarah Golf Course. We appreciate them so much uh, for letting us come out on the Mondays, and we're going to keep coming uh, as, uh, as we get closer to the cold. I know the, the weekend scrambles, the winter scrambles. They don't care. If it's 45, let's go. We'll play. We'll tell you all about it as we move along throughout the month of December. This has been the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM Esports. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way back. Goodbye. You know the only thing better than watching the game? It's watching the game with your friends. It's game night. So you head to your favorite spot. The game's on all the huge TVs. Several people you know are already there, and they've come for the same reason. It's game night, and the game's on all the huge TVs in the room. A lot of the men are there with their wives. Everyone's having a great time, eating, drinking, laughing, and, of course, yelling at the refs. The bartender's great, too. She seems to know what the regulars want, 
before they even order. Maybe we shouldn't tell anybody about this little jewel in Sayre so it doesn't get too crowded. It'll be our little secret. Ah, why not? Let's risk it. It's the sports bar at what's technically known as the Sayre Golf Course. The locals call it Sayre National. It's in the park on the south side of town, so don't watch the game at home alone tonight. Go where there's food, drinks, and huge TVs. The game's a lot more fun if you'll watch it with friends.